0: Hi, and welcome to the Kelowna Girl Tries podcast. I'm Barb, and this is episode 78, Sunday, October 17th, 2010. Hope you enjoy it. Everybody, I am back tried really hard to get a show out last weekend, but it just couldn't happen. So we had to wait till the weekend. It's now sitting here Saturday afternoon, actually Saturday morning on the 16th. And uh, we had a great weekend. We had a really good race. Uh, really fun. I really enjoyed it. Eric had a great race. I'm going to try and sneak in some recording with him a little bit later. And basically I'm just going to give you a bit of an update on where we're at and of course I'll give my race report and then I'm also going to share a bit of information about a couple of guys Canadian boys who are triathletes with multiple sclerosis or MS and uh, the things that they're doing with their blog uh, one is Rob who's tri with MS and one is a fellow named Ray Miller and uh, they're both athletes who are very inspirational for other um, people with MS and to show you what you can do even though you have this uh, disease and also the um, things that they've done to help create more awareness and hopefully a little uh, fundraising for the MS Society. So last weekend we went off to Victoria we booked a couple nights at a and b there and made it kind of a weekend away. Every time we go away for a weekend we call it a honeymoon. Eric said this was our 43rd honeymoon. Um, we've only been together for six years not even six years yet. So we uh, <laughs> every uh, probably every school term, we try to go away for a weekend, even if it's only a couple of towns away and just go up for dinner and relax and have a nice weekend. So this was a race weekend and a honeymoon weekend. Uh, Victoria's a beautiful city. And you know, I didn't go there last year, but I just every time I go, I, I just love it there. And it, it's the kind of place that I'd almost want to live, except I just love the weather in Kelowna so much that I don't think I could give up the heat of the summer and the snow in the winter. I I need those really distinct seasons, but Victoria is a very close second to Kelowna as far as a place I'd like to live. It's a bit bigger city than Kelowna, um, but not anywhere near as big as Vancouver. The other limiting factor is that it's on Vancouver Island, so you're a bit of a slave to the ferry system, which is pretty expensive. It costs about... Oh, $100 to take a car and two adults across from Twoson to Victoria and 100 bucks back. And that's including your reservation. So a little crazy. I wouldn't want to have to do that on a daily basis. So although, although we left uh, about 9 o'clock Saturday morning, in you know, a five-hour drive, an hour and a half on the ferry, and another half-hour drive into Victoria, we just barely made it to race package pickup on time. And uh, by the time we found a place to park and, and hoofed it over to the the area, it was, there was about 10 minutes to spare. And uh, they did have a chance for you to be able to pick it up if you're from out of town on the morning of the race, but we didn't want to have that extra rush. So when we got there, uh, Carlos was there waiting for us. Carlos the Jackal, and uh, he was planning to hook up with us for the evening and then um, and meet us in the morning as well. It was kind of cool to be able to see a familiar face, and and that was great. Anyways, we managed to hook up with Carlos. We got our numbers and our a race bag and got a t-shirt and a okay now i know the swag in canada race canadian races so far the ones that i've been involved in it's nothing like some of the stuff i hear about in the american races i don't know maybe we pay less for races i don't know but anyways the swag bag was consisted of a bunch of little pamphlets and advertising and possibly maybe there's a coupon in there but nothing exciting and a little booklet about the race and a very, very nice long sleeve tech t-shirt which I liked and a bottle of vitamins. Now the vitamins is fine. It's a full bottle. I mean like it's a full size bottle and (laughs) I guess it's because I'm in the 50 50 to 54 age group. They're like silver, uh, you know, like seniors (laughs) vitamins. I don't know. Don't, I can't tell you why I'm offended by this, but I am. I don't know. I just didn't like getting this bottle of vitamins with pictures of people with gray hair on it. You know, it's just made me laugh out loud. Um, now, nah, you know, anyways, <laughs> it's just, it, I, I mean, I am 50 and I am, you know, kind of leaned towards that seniors, but I'm sorry. It just didn't work for me. <laughs> anyways, uh, Eric didn't get any. He was feeling kind of left out. I should just give him mine, I guess. Um, he got a nice short sleeve blue t-shirt. And it was a texture, shirt too, so, and he did the 8K. So anyways, we got our stuff and then we went over to the B&B because we're, it's getting kind of late. So we checked into the B&B and we took Carlos with us. He had taken the bus down there He's still recovering from his broken shoulder or not broken shoulder, broken clavicle uh, when he had a scooter, electric, uh, not electric, uh, he has a scooter that he rides anyways. Um, and uh, he had fallen and broke his clavicle a little while back. He's still recovering, but he's starting to be able to do, he's been doing lots of long walks and, uh, some, uh, gentle running, but he wasn't able to do the race this weekend. So he's kind of coming out and sherpa for us in a way, you know, it was kind of cool. Um, we went for a drive on the course and, uh, with the map and the help of Carlos, we, we drove the whole, well, the, all the way out part of the half marathon so that I could sort of get a feel for what these hills were like and they're all very long slow gradual nothing steep they all looked runnable to me except that I haven't had much practice or experience running on hills um, I have one little hill in my neighborhood and I tend not to run it too often but so I was a little concerned to how that was going to go uh, and then checked into the B&B and then we went over to the white spot and had some dinner because it was already getting on seven or something By the time we finished dinner, it was getting late, and uh, so we drove Carlos home and got back to the B&B, and I had to set up all my stuff, and we were into bed pretty early. We had to get up about 5.30, I think, in the morning, and so we were both really undecided what to wear. When we arrived in Victoria, it was just absolutely pouring rain, and the forecast for Sunday was to be uh, a chance of showers. So... I don't mind running in the rain at all, but I just wasn't sure how that was going to affect me. Rain, some hills. I don't really have gear for rain because it just almost never rains in Kelowna and it, when it does, it's just a light shower or else a downpour that lasts for 10, 15 minutes and then it's done. So I was prepared, but I brought so many different clothing options. I had a whole suitcase full and I only brought a pair of jeans and a t-shirt for a regular going out and, uh. I also wasn't sure what the air temperature was going to be like at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. So uh, what we ended up doing is I ended up wearing my, my uh, triathlon shorts, tri shorts, because they're kind of compression and they wouldn't, uh, we thought maybe less uh, friction or less um, chafing. I did use body glide because I didn't know if it was going to rain. Uh, it turned out that morning it seemed overcast, but not, didn't seem to be threatening rain. And it never did rain the whole time I was running, so it was good. So I wore my tri shorts, I wore a Segoi fizz tank top. Um, it acts like a sports bra but it was a full tank so I thought it would keep my trunk a little warmer. I had my club fat ass yellow long sleeve tech shirt which I love. Um, and then I ended up opting for just my light Sagoi vest over top of that sleeveless wind vest. Uh, I decided that once I start running, I figured I would probably be warm enough with that unless the weather suddenly changed and I was hoping just body heat would keep me going. Um, I did bring a more thermal type top, but um, I didn't think I needed it. It was about 13 degrees Celsius when I got up and that's in the fifties, I think, low fifties. So we had to drive downtown and find a place to park. We were lucky to get a spot uh, just uh, two blocks away from the starting point, which was great. But by the time we got in there and got ready, uh, it was already seven o'clock, and Eric's race started at seven fifteen. And I realized I wasn't going to have time to be able to see him take off as well as um, be able to do my go to the bathroom and get myself organized. So I said goodbye to him, and I was kind of disappointed I wasn't going to be able to see him start his race. But uh, I saw the porta potty lines were pretty long, and I just was worried about not making it to my race on time. So I was supposed to meet a couple of internet friends at the 230 pace banner, but there didn't, there turned out there wasn't a 230 pace banner. So because I didn't have the race numbers with me and it was just so crowded, I didn't even uh, bother. I kind of set myself back about 20 feet back behind the 215 and uh, just kind of waited around for things to get started. I was pretty excited at that point and um, really looking forward to getting this race on the road. And uh, we waited around and this was the very first time that I started to feel just a little bit nervous. And I even noticed my heart rate was starting to get up there and I was standing still and it was already up to like 110. (laughs) And I thought, okay, I must be getting excited. I'm activated as Chad from Can Do Try says. And I actually um, had commented last week about... um, jason from uh, mainly triathlon i liked his term because i'd heard him say it on the on his podcast and he reminded me that he actually got it from chad and i remembered oh yeah that's right it was chad who coined that phrase so anyways uh, i felt activated and ready to go and just wanted to get started i was pretty excited but to be honest i had absolutely no idea what the race was going to be like and what to expect of myself given the way my summer had been I mean, if you kind of remember back from June, it's about, I don't know, 17, 18 weeks ago, I felt okay after my half iron, even though I had the uh, ITB and ish- band issues in from the bike and on the run. But the week after, I did my 5K race, and that messed up my shins again, and it took me about, uh, oh, a couple of weeks to realize I was going to have to um, do some uh pool running instead of of uh regular running and i throughout this all of july i continued to have um, problems with my it band locking up at the knee anytime i ran about 45 minutes or longer and so it was kind of hit and miss and hit and miss and then finally at the end of july it was getting better but i was just having to be really really careful all through the summer I was like always on the verge of of being in pain and i i did several sessions where i did pool running or something And yet I was rested enough by the time I got to my sprint try that I had a great run on my sprint try. So nothing was, nothing was bad at that point, except that doing this great run on my sprint try caused the shins to act up again. So then I was messed up again all of September because of that race. And so I did elliptical for three weeks and finally just barely got back into running in time for my half marathon. So I had done, you know, I'd had maybe one or maybe two 90 minute runs And they were slow uh, in the summer. And that's all the long training that I did. Everything else was maybe an hour long. So I really didn't know how I was going to manage and if I was going to manage. So I get to the race and I'm thinking, okay, so what am I going to be able to do? I got to run for two and a half hours and I haven't been, I've hardly been running. So I feel like I was worried that my endurance wasn't going to be there and that I just wasn't going to be able to tough it out to the end. Well, overall, you know, it actually ended up going really, really well. Um, I, I got into a pretty good rhythm right off the bat, um, and I talked to Jeff, Coach Jeff, PRS, uh, on Skype about four or five days before my race, and we talked about okay, what's what's my pacing strategy going to be? And he wanted to know what is my goal time. I said, well, you know, originally my goal time was going to be as to be as close to two hours as I could, you know. I think I can do it. I think I could do a two-hour half marathon, um, but given, you know, the way things are going, I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to be able to do that. You know, it'd be great if I could do 2:15. And he said, well, you know, looking back over the, your last month or so of running, he says, he says he's kind of thinking I'm going to have to think maybe a little closer to 2:30. And I thought, yeah, I mean, he's right, you know, and it's just at this point i kind of totally revamped all my plans and my goals for this race because originally i'd really wanted to come out and do a really awesome fast solid half half marathon after having kind of a crappy one in my half iron and i really do think i have it in me to do a two-hour half marathon but he's right you know i'm not i'm just not i'm just not prepared enough to be able to do a, a good solid fast one and if i start too fast I We thought I might just blow up at the end so I wouldn't be able to finish. So we had finally decided I'm going to do a 6 minute 45 second pace per minute kilometer. That's per kilometer, not mile. I know some of you guys do 645 miles, so I'm talking about a 645 kilometer, uh, actually 640. And that equates to a 1045 mile. He kind of thought maybe 11 minute mile at first, but I managed to talk him down just a little bit. And he agreed. Okay. Well, I think that's probably manageable. And of course, the hard part was going to be to keep it slow at the beginning, because anytime I go for a run, I just start running. If I just start running and I don't look at my pace, I'm usually running between 5.30 and 6 minutes um, per kilometer. And that's about, uh, that's a nine something. But uh, if I watch my my pace, its I've got to just kind of really keep it down. And I don't get swayed by the people around me. I really don't care what who's passing me, especially in a huge group like that. You don't even think about it. You're always passing people and there's always people passing you. It's like when you're in the middle of the pack, it just doesn't matter. So that was good. So we got started on the race. Um, The horn or the gun or whatever it was went. I didn't hear it. I just knew everybody cheered and they all started going. Of course, we just stood there for about a minute and then finally started walking. And then by the time I got just about to the starting point, I was able to actually start jogging a little bit. So I think I was about three and a half minutes, not terribly far, but about three and a half minutes difference between my chip time and my gun time. I started my Garmin as soon as I crossed the starting line. And for those of you who, like me, did not understand the difference between chip time and gun time, let me explain it to you. Uh, The gun goes off and you're not anywhere near the starting line because there's so many people. And so when you cross the starting line, that's when your chip activates. But when you look at the race results online, they go by they go by the gun time as when they rank you first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Well, when you're like me, there's 400 people in my age group, and I'm 200th. It really doesn't matter um, whether I'm 200th or would have been 192nd, maybe, you know, if I'd looked, went by chip time instead of gun time, because you're starting so far back. And the people that are starting right at the front, who know they're going to be, you know, a one thirty half marathon, they're right up at front anyway. So their chip time and their gun time are usually pretty close. And if you're going to qualify for Boston or something, they go by your chip time, not the gun time. But for ranking purposes, uh, in your age group, or overall, or in women, or whatever, you'll they will go by the gun time. So that's that's what I learned this this month. So, anyways, we got off and uh, started running, and right away you're running in town, and there's a couple of a uh, long gradual uphills, and I was feeling great. Started running this stupid uh, PTT, I call it the posterior tibial tendon, which runs up the inner shin of my right leg is always pushing over the ankle bone and it's given me quite a bit of pain for the last two weeks and it just does it randomly as well. I taped up well with some tape. Wish it had been KT tape but I used rock tape because that's all that's available here and uh, I don't like rock tape all that much because it it fray the edges fray and the corners aren't rounded and I have to trim them myself but anyways it does similar kind of job. So I was taped up and uh, I was ready to go. Had my vest on. I had my Camelback, which is actually a North Face hydration pack, not a Camelback brand. I had about two liters of water with a couple of scoops of CarboPro and uh, three three scoops of CarboPro and three Noon tablets in there. So that gave me all my electrolytes and it gave me a steady dose of carbohydrates, pure carbohydrates, no sugar. Um, Nothing that would bother my stomach. I've trained with it for a long time and uh, I never ever feel any kind of um, gastrointestinal issues like I do if I drink the Gatorade that's on the course. The great thing I love about my hydration pack is that uh, I can have a steady intake of sipping on it. It's right there. My mouth is really dry because of my braces. um, And so I'm constantly just sipping small amounts and I never feel sloshy in my gut. And then I can also increase the amount of carbohydrates I get, um, you know, like the, the ratio by just adding a little extra or a little less, whatever I want. So when I make the mix up, so um, it works for me. And I, to be honest, I really don't feel any kind of irritation or anything from wearing the ca- the hydration pack on my back. I don't feel like it's weighing me down. I'm sure I'd be lighter without it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. It doesn't irritate me in any way. I get it tight, fairly tightly strapped, and I don't. I just don't notice it. And um, I don't like wearing the waist bottles. They really bug me. I feel that waistband is just a real irritant. And I don't like having things in my hand for a long run. I do carry a a small bottle in my hand if I'm going for a short run. But it's really nice to have my hands empty. So that worked out really, really well. And I'm really happy I did use my hydration pack. Even though it's kind of rare. You don't see a lot of people. But I have to tell you, Simply Stew from the Simply Stew Triathlon podcast is the one that recommended that whole system to me and he does it and I was I'm I'm sold on it. Uh, so if you have a lot of problems with your stomach when you're doing long runs or doing anything you might want to try it just to see if it's a, an option for you. Everybody's different and if just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you but you might want to give it a try. So I'm on my race. I'm running along. I get, I look at after the first K and I'm, oops, I'm going a little too fast. I'm, I'm supposed to be doing 6.45 and I'm more like 6.15, 6.20. So I tried to slow it down a bit, slow it down. I've got a long uphill. My first three or four kilometers, they were all just a little bit too fast, but not bad. I mean, you know, I'm feeling great. I, I felt, I'm trying to keep it. You want to be able to keep your heart rate steady. You want to feel like you're comfortable and you if I slow down too much, I start feeling like I'm plodding, you know. So I I didn't like that feeling. I want to feel just right. So it was a good pace for me. Uh, everything was going wonderfully. Got out to Dallas Road, which is right along the ocean. It's a beautiful course. I had my um, iPod on because they're legal in this race. And I'd created a set that had 2 hours and 45 minutes worth of music. And I'd interspersed every 10 songs with a little... Um, mp3 of myself giving myself hints of what I should be doing right that moment to think and just to refocus my attention on my on my um, gait and all that sort of thing so that worked out kind of neat and I had all the my songs picked out so I was pretty happy and the only thing I didn't like about wearing the iPod is you know I really was not really paying much attention to what was going on around me you know, I couldn't get the feeling of the whole race as far as the sound of the people. And you could only vaguely hear people cheering. There was a couple of, there were some bands and some music playing along the way. And I didn't really get to experience that as much. But um, on the plus side, it really helped me to just focus in on just me and kind of block out the world and just pay attention to how I was feeling and what I was doing and focus on my form. And uh, overall, I think it was a really positive thing. So got up to about six kilometer point and I started feeling that old familiar tightness in my left knee. So I tried to relax and block it out. Okay, you're just imagining it. There's nothing there. It's just, you know, you haven't felt this for two months. There's no reason why you're going to have any ITB problems right now. Just relax. You've had some great long runs, I don't mean long, long, but I've run an hour and a half several times in the last um, couple of months and I hadn't had any problems with my IT band for the last six, eight weeks for sure. So, we just kept running and it started tightening, it started tightening, start started tightening by the seven kilometer mark, it was getting tight and I thought, okay, I'd already seen a few people out stretching their IT bands and I thought, okay, maybe I should just stop, do a quick 30 second stretch and then keep going and see if that helps it out. So I did. And I knew I'm adding 30 seconds. That's going to affect my pace for that K, you know. So sure enough, that that kilometer, my pace was down to seven something, seven minutes or and something per kilometer. Went running again, start running. And um, I think for the next, I would say sort of that whole middle 7K, it's 21K altogether. So from 7K to about 15K my knee just started getting worse and worse and worse. And I stopped and stretched it about six times. And each time I'm losing anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute and plus the time it takes you to kind of stop, pull over to the side and then get started again, right? Now, each time I started running afterwards, it felt better, it felt a lot better and I was able to run properly. And so I would run fairly quickly. I kept my pace up a bit, you know, like 6.30 so that my overall pace, would um you know still be around six forty five because I'd come out f- a little bit quick in the first four k I had a bit of a buffer zone there to work with, so that was kind of good and um I thought a little while about whether or not because I'd run a little bit too fast in the first four k if that was what caused it, but I really don't believe it is i I don't believe it at all I think. Well, first of all, I don't actually have a clue why my IT band just randomly locks up, but I'm going to guess that it's maybe because it's hilly there and I'm not really used to running on the hills and keeping a good pace up the hills. But to be honest, I still don't really know. I don't know what causes it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's sort of my goal for the winter to figure it out and solve it. So... It's a funny thing because, you know, most of the time what you hear about from me is my shins, right? So I do a fast run and my shins are sore. My shins are sore. Can't run. And then once I get running, I start running and then my IT band locks up. So it's in my races, it's rarely my shins that are a problem because I always rest before the race. It's always something different, right? Gah, you know, am I the most whiny, boringest person you've ever heard? Is just like, it's just so fed up with listening to her have all these training issues and injuries it's just oh my god i'm just sick and tired of talking about it to be honest with you anyways what i tried doing through these middle 7k i I was kind of d- downhearted and frustrated because I knew it was only going to get keep getting worse and worse and I I was so determined I'm going to run fast in between the stretching because I don't want to keep my pace And my pace was still my overall pace on my Garmin still said 640 so I just knew I still I was okay but every kilometer was kind of adding a second adding another second on there and it was creeping up I didn't want to get it past 645 so <clears throat> excuse me um it got to the point where I couldn't bend my knee or I couldn't um put a lot of weight on this because I got the stabbing pain and my knee was buckling excuse me and so uh I got I was getting kind of frustrated and so I decided to do kind of like a Terry Fox hop thing I put a lot more weight on my right leg and I could kind of swing I swung my left leg instead of bending it because bending it and putting weight on it was what was hurting. So I was keeping my leg straight and swinging it and putting all my weight on my right leg. And that was working like really well. And I could run pretty fast like that even if I looked stupid as all get out. However, in the back of my head, I kind of knew that this is not something I'm going to be able to maintain for a long time because, uh, you know, my right leg isn't used to taking that much pounding. And it was probably gonna cause me problems later on. And sure enough, after a couple k, you know, my right quad was starting to get pretty sore. And I thought, okay, I probably shouldn't do this too much, too much more. So I kind of alternated back and forth between sort of a gimpy, buckled knee, randomly buckling. You never knew, it didn't buckle every every pound, but it did, you know, once in a while. And then this kind of Terry Fox run thing, I was calling it. And if you don't know who Terry Fox is, Google him. He's an amazing young man. Who uh, raised millions and millions of dollars for cancer by running across Canada um, one with one leg and uh, our official leg? So, anyways, um, uh, then something kind of magical happened. I got to about the 15 kilometer mark and I was back down on the flats again along the lake and, or along the ocean and we we're running back towards the finish line. I'm about 7k away from being maybe four miles, four and a half, five miles. And suddenly my knees started to just kind of relax and loosen up. And it's never, ever, ever done this before. When I have, whenever it's locked up, it's only gotten worse and worse and worse. It's never just turned around and relaxed. So I have no idea why it, it suddenly did that. It just kind of started to relax out. I, maybe I just did something right. I, I wish I knew what I did to solve it because man, I would just be able to do that every time. But anyways. I stopped and I stretched it one more time because there was one little hill along the coast there on Dallas Road. And When I got to the top, I thought just for good luck, I thought I better give it one more little stretch because it was just starting to feel a bit like it was tightening up. And so kilometer 15, kilometer 16, starting to feel pretty darn good. Well I knew I was going to be meeting Carlos. Um, about 4k, 5k from the end, and he was going to come in and run with me for a little while, and then he was going to veer off about a kilometer before the end and get to the race, to the finish line and take pictures of me as I came across. So he caught up with me sure enough, uh, right at the end of Beacon Hill Park at the end of Cook Road. He was standing there waiting for me, and uh, we started running together. and by then I was feeling really good. I was I'd picked up my pace and I was running my fastest pace. By that, by that point, I think it was about kilometer 17 or something. I started picking up the pace now because I okay, I've only got you know four kilometers left. I can do this now. So I picked it up and I started running faster, faster and faster and faster. And I felt great. I mean, I was starting to feel tired, no doubt. But my, but uh, and I was my hips were pretty tight and sore. My quads were sore. But you know, it was like that. It was a good. It's the good fatigue. It's the good pain. It's not the sharp stabbing injury kind of pain. It was like, gee, I'm just tired because I've been running for a couple hours, you know? And I was so exuberant by this point. And maybe, maybe the endorphins had kicked in, I don't know. They never kicked in for the, for the half iron in that respect, but they uh, definitely, something happened. So by the time I met up with Car- uh, Carlos, I was feeling great. And uh, we ran pretty quick. And he even said, Do you are You got a good pace going there. Do you want to slow down a bit? And I said, no, hell no. I'm not slowing down now, man. I am close to the end. And I'm just super happy that I can, you know, if it all of a sudden crashes and I have to walk at the end, that's fine. But right now I'm going to run while I can. And so my last 3K were great. Uh, in fact, my very last kilometer was my fastest kilometer of the whole race. I ran... Uh, I think this is a little under 10, under a 10-minute mile for my last K. I was pretty damn tired, and I really had to push it to do it. But uh, it was it was a good feeling. And I came across the finish line feeling great, a big smile on my face, and very, very close to uh, what my goal time had been. I was only a couple of minutes off. I, I came in at 2.24, and my goal time had been, well, really, two. 220 to 225. But I was kind of, you know, kind of hoping 220 is where I wanted to be. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Carlos kind of took off uh, about one kilometer before the end, he took a shortcut to the finish line. And as I came in, I had taken off my earplugs by that point, and And um, I was recording with my iPhone the whole last 5k and somehow I'd inadvertently hit the mute button on the on the uh, <laughs> recording. So all all there is, is a lot of really crappy, jumpy video and, and no audio and the audio that would have been great because here's Carlos and I having a great conversation and we were talking and yeah, I really, it's really sad that I missed that out. And, and then even after he left, I was talking into them, into the recorder and talking about my, you know, the, how I'm feeling those last kilometers. So I was pretty disappointed I don't have that audio, but anyways, i I was able to run the fastest and videotape at the same time. I figured that was pretty good, and uh I got in there was Carlos waving at me, and Eric big huge smile taking pictures, and he was grinning, so I thought, oh good, he's had a good race and and uh uh, yeah, I was just super super excited, and he was Eric said he was really happy to see that I was smiling when I came in. I was like giddy smiling, I was so excited and so happy and cheering my cheering as I crossed the finish line and Yeah, it was just an awesome, awesome day. I just had a blast. I just loved it. Well, I got through the finisher's shoot or across the finishing line and got my medal, beautiful medal, my very first half marathon medal. And uh, then all of a sudden, there's this like this huge traffic jam of, of people. And everybody was all in this big line. And I didn't even know what was ahead. We were all kind of corralled to get through this. And I thought we were just trying to get out. Well, it turns out about... I don't know, 30, 40 people ahead of me. There's this tables with all the food and everything. And I stood there for a few minutes. I was waving at Eric on the other side of the fence and saying, hey, I don't know what's even going on here. And I looked and I went, and they'd given me a, a plastic thing to wrap around my shoulders. And I kind of thought I didn't need it. But boy, as soon as I stopped running, I suddenly got just chilled to the bone and started shaking like crazy. And I I realized that this is all about food. So I thought, nah, you know what? I don't need their food. I'm just, I." so I just went, bypassed the, all that section and I looked kind of longingly at the chocolate milk I wouldn't have minded grabbing a chocolate milk but anyways I made my way out and I met up with Eric and uh, with Carlos and we were all high-fiving it and happy and uh, Carlos got some pictures of Eric and I standing there and we got photos of everybody and of Carlos and I and and uh it was great and by this time i just i really started to get chilled and i was just shivering uncontrollably i needed to get some food i need to get something warm inside me and so carlos carlos decided he's going to just jump on the bus and head home and eric and i headed back to the b&b and i was just anxious to get into a hot bath so we actually stopped at starbucks on the way back and grabbed a coffee and uh, hot coffee and some food because we had no food at the b&b and i didn't feel like going to a restaurant or anything And uh, when I got out of the car, like, oh my God, my legs were just suddenly trashed. Like they felt great the whole time. But as soon as I stopped, okay, they didn't really feel great. But you know what I mean? I felt fine after. But as soon as I stopped and sat in the car for 10, 15 minutes, it's like they just seized up. And that right leg that I'd putting all my weight on when I was doing the Terry Fox thing, my right quad was just trashed. And my left knee, it felt... Uh, It was pretty sore. Like my left knee was just where the IT band had locked. It was just aching. Well, I get to the B&B and there's like this big, huge flight of stairs up to the front door. And then our, our room was on the second floor. So I had two flights of stairs. And because both legs were trashed in different ways, I couldn't, I could not get up the stairs. Like I couldn't go forwards, backwards. I had to put all my weight on the, on the rail and just like lift my legs one at a time. It was like I'd run a marathon and I was... You know, I mean, this is where, you know, I was able to do the run, but because this is where my undertraining really showed up, it was totally undertrained, And that's why I ended up suffering so badly in the two or three days after the race. But I told Jeff, you know, I said, you know, I don't give a crap what I feel like after I don't care if I get injured. I don't care if I'm hurting, I'm sore. I don't care. I just want to do the best that I can do on this race because I have nothing else that's coming up right after this. So I can take the time to rehab if I need to after the race. And he said, well, we don't want to like to get injured or anything. And I said, well, it's not that I want to get injured, but I just, I don't care if I hurt a lot after. I just don't care. I'm not going to do anything like rip muscles, that sort of thing. But, you know, as far as I'm, you know, it's good. So anyways, I just laughed. I couldn't get upstairs. So I got up, I managed to get upstairs and I was just absolutely shaken, but I knew I needed to ice first before I get into the hot bath, which that was the hardest thing because I was already just, just freezing, shivering and cold sweat on me. And uh, so I got ice packs and iced both knees and kind of bundled up while I did that. And then I got into a nice hot Epsom salts bath, bought some Epsom salts at Safeway on our way there and uh, soaked up, felt a whole lot better, ate some food. And and uh, then we decided, well, let's go for a walk because walking around seemed like it felt like a good thing to do. So we went, it was a beautiful sunny day by now. The sun had come out. So we walked down and we could see we were only about two blocks from where some of the marathon marathoners were going. So we walked over to them and watched a little bit of that and walked along. And by then, actually by now, the uh, marathon was finished. But we had seen them up on our way into Airbnb. Uh, We walked along the coast and up into the Oak Bay area and we found a pub called the Penny Farthing. And I'd been tweeting with a couple of people Um who are also doing the race that day. And I said, well, I'm, we're going to the pub. So if anybody wants to meet us there, you know, that's where we'll be. And, uh, sure enough, uh, one of the gals from beginner triathlete, her name is Jocelyn and her boyfriend Ray came and met us for a beer. So Eric and I had already finished our beer by the time they got there. And, uh, so we got, I ordered a glass of wine and I don't usually drink beer, but I drank this big honking beer <laughs> and a glass of wine. I was feeling pretty happy. And uh, we hadn't figured out what we we're going to do for dinner, but we ended up staying there for dinner as well. So we were sitting in that pub for like four and a half, five hours. Luckily, it was walking distance. And uh, got to meet up with Jocelyn. It was great. Uh, I'd only talked to her just really not that long on uh, beginner translate in the forums. And it, then it turned out that her, her boyfriend Ray was actually, had actually um, listened to my podcast before and had actually just been recently interviewed by Chad on the Can Do Tribe podcast. So it was really a small world. It was pretty amazing when we started talking and found out. Uh, now, Ray has got a bit of an interesting story. He has multiple sclerosis or MS and is uh, just finished Ironman Canada last year, has done a marathon in Victoria. Um, Has done quite a bit of um, athletic endeavors uh, despite his condition, and uh, he's working hard just to let people know, um, you know, a little bit more about the disease and the fact that if you have these kinds of conditions, you still can get out there and do things. You know, and he really serves as an inspiration to many. I'm sure. Kind of reminded me of my friend Try with MS, uh, Rob, who's also from Canada, and how he has also got a blog try with ms and i'll put links to both men's blogs um at the show notes and also you can check out can do try episode i think it's 13 and um you can listen to ray's story which is really interesting and very inspiring so i had a good time chatting with both of uh jocelyn and Ray, and we had a good uh, good visit at the pub uh, anyways, it was great. So you know, we had a good day. We walked back to our B and B uh, and felt good walking. Walking felt good. Going up the stairs again was brutal. And the next morning, we had to get up, have breakfast, and head back to Van- uh, back through Vancouver, back to Kelowna. Got home by that evening, and I was pretty sore for two or three days. But uh, by Wednesday, Thursday, I was feeling better. And today is Saturday. I am going to right after I finish recording this, go out for my first run. So I'm hoping it's all good, and I feel okay. You know, I I don't really know what it's gonna feel like. I never really know, but everything's nothing's really hurting anymore. I did yoga and stretching uh, religiously with the foam roller and everything all week this week. I've done it every night before I went to bed, and I've stretched my calves every morning as well. And so, my goal now for the next uh, two or three weeks, now that I've finished up with this, I feel like I'm pretty well recovered I'm going to contact my physiotherapist next week and uh, meet with him and set up a this is where I've been waiting for to do this to set up at a time where we're going to have uh, an appointment down at the gym and he is going to put me through my paces figure out where my strength and weaknesses are and help me set up a program for strengthening and conditioning through the winter and that's my goal I'm going to do tons of core uh, uh, Coach PRS has been, you know, pushing the core thing and I totally believe that. I like also my core, uh, oh, what's that book I bought? You know what book I bought, the core book I bought. Just, the name is just, just totally left me. But anyways, Core Performance, the one with Jesse Stensland. And uh, I'm going to work on some of those um, different activities this winter. Uh, that's really, and I I'm kind of hoping that that can be my focus and that will sort of solve some of my issues and keep in close contact with my massage therapist and my physiotherapist. And luckily, my massage and physio both know each other. And so, you know, they can maybe somehow they kind of can talk or work together in some way. It might be good. So, you know, next year, you know, what am I going to do? And I have to tell you, when I finish that race, like I still feel and okay, I don't really, but I feel like I have an endorphin rush from that race still. And it's not like I had such a fantastic time because 224 is is really not that fast of a half marathon. I mean, that would be like a more than five hour marathon. That's pretty slow. But uh, if from my point of view, from what I would think a goal would be, but uh, you know, I just, I'm just, I like running. I don't know why. It just doesn't like me. And right now I, I, I sort of feel like, it was so relaxing going for a half marathon run and not having to stress out with all the, the nerveness, nervousness I feel when I do triathlon, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know, like part of me sort of thought maybe next year I'll just do running and then I thought, no, but I got to do that. I got to do Oliver. I got to do Oliver half iron. That's for sure. I got to do that and redeem myself. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to do Oliver Half Iron, I'm going to want to do the Oliver Sprint three weeks before because it's a great tune-up race. And then, of course, I have to do the Apple at the end of summer because it's like it wouldn't be summer if I didn't do the Apple. And, you know, that's that's a definite. So I guess, you know, I'm still going to be doing triathlons. I guess I, I can't take, I can't cut that out totally. But I'm really, really hoping my goal is that one year from now, I'm going to do a full marathon. That's my goal for next year. And I'm also really hoping and planning to do the campus to campus local half marathon. It's a very fun, small, small race. and You run from one campus to the other of the, uh, uh, the various satellite branches of the Okanagan College and Okanagan University College. So I would like to do that. Uh, I checked out the times for women in my age group and uh, I would, there were like, I don't know, 20, maybe 20 women in my age group, not even. And uh, I would come in, uh, well, I would have come in second to last. <laughs> They're all pretty serious runners, the women that do this. That one's in March. So it wouldn't be any kind of, um, you know, trying to do, a I would, uh, it would be a case of trying to do a personal best again. So that's kind of one of some of my little minor goals right now, what I want to do for next year. And that was my worldwide festival of races race too. So uh, I've done a, the Zen Run ten K, I've done the couch kick the couch five K and now I've done the um the half marathon and so cut the whole the whole all three of those races I've I've got my race numbers so yay me. Okay, now I have a little bit of audio from a uh, conversation Eric and I had and I'm going to plunk that in right now. Are you making your wife some coffee? You're awful quiet.
1: (laughs) What are you recording now? It's early in the morning. I'm not even awake yet.
0: I know, but it's Sunday.
1: (laughs) Is it? I have
0: to get my show open. I need a little clip from the Corona guy.
1: Us retired people. Every day is the same as the other, you know?
0: (laughs) I know. But I want to get my show in the the can today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ask me some questions then.
0: Uh, Well, I didn't talk about your race. When I talked about my race, okay, and so because I wanted you to do it. All right, I don't
1: know what to say. It was
0: a it's a good yeah. race. It was okay. Let's start with the beginning. You and I left one another. You uh, handed okay. me your bag.
1: Sad moment. It was. I sad. <laughs> I missed you at the start of the race.
0: Yeah.
1: So I found an old man to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> he was going. He wasn't even going to run the race. He was going to walk the race. So I says, "Yes, somebody who I'll beat," you know. Do you know how many people were in in the eight k? I don't actually. I
0: think I there were supposed to be twelve hundred, but I don't know if there was that many registered.
1: There was uh, quite a lot. Yeah.
0: Merrick's <clears throat> making me my favorite coffee. He makes me coffee every morning, and right now he's putting a little uh, shot of cinnamon dolce flavored syrup from Starbucks in it. And then he sprinkles a little bit of cinnamon on the top and so he makes me kind of like a cinnamon dolce latte every morning. Yum. It's one of the many reasons I love you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was kind of dark when we started the race back to the race.
0: Yeah, oh, right, the race. Okay, we were talking was, about the race. I was weren't thinking we? about my coffee, to cool. you make. No, it. the coffees.
1: And here comes the Cremo.
0: Okay. so anyways yeah so we I left my package no I took your bag and I went back to the car and I had to go to the bathroom so I couldn't stay and watch you because I could see the bathroom lineups were too long and I really wanted to watch you take off but no it wasn't to be so you walked we kissed goodbye and you walked away and you went and you chatted with the guy you got in line how did you seed yourself like, where did you um, stand? Did you go the front front, front, line? Of, front
1: of the middle. Front of the middle. I decided to be about one-third back. That sort of okay, that made makes sense, sense mm-hmm. with the times that I thought I would probably get. Yep. And still it seems like tons of people passed me, you know.
0: Did you pass anybody when you were running?
1: I'm sure I must have. It didn't seem like it, but I'm sure I must have.
0: And so when you, were, when you started running, how long did it take before you got to the starting line?
1: Oh, not very long, fifteen twenty seconds.
0: Oh, okay. And then, um, and then you started your Garmin. You had your Garmin, your old Garmin, with you, right?
1: I tried to start it right, sort of when I crossed the the line. probably a couple of seconds early or something like that?
0: Let's go sit at the kitchen table. Regardless, hang on. No one can hear you when you're far away. Uh, okay. We still have uh, stuff left over from turkey dinner last night sitting on the table as we had the family for Thanksgiving last night, a week late. Oh, your mom forgot her birthday card. Oh, that's all right. We'll be able to go back and see her. Oh, i to take her some flowers, anyways. Oh, <sighs> good coffee, honey. Good coffee. Mm. Was it? Eh? Still is. <sighs> so.
1: So I read. Let's talk
0: about your no. Let's talk about what your strategy was going to be and what your goal was, and that. My
1: strategy was going to be uh, to average somewhere between ten and a half kilometers an hour and eleven kilometers an hour during the first K.
0: Yeah, we should probably mention because we should mention that your um, Garmin is a bike Garmin.
1: Yeah. It's so an, I had, it's it an old edge. I and couldn't it do it, it on pace. pace. I couldn't do it on pace because it doesn't have pace on it.
0: Yeah. So you usually kind of run about a, by the miles per hour when you look at your garment. And what was that pace, Well, what was your goal time going to be? 40
1: my goal time, my optimistic goal time was 42 minutes.
0: 42 minutes for an 8K?
1: Yeah. 8K which, is 5 which miles? Which was a pace of 5.15, okay? I do know yeah. that much.
0: Yeah. 5.15 per kilometer.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I don't know what that is. Per mile for a So I was under.
1: No, sorry. I was. My pace was probably about like 520. 530. Five, 530 during the first K.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, my second kilometer was, I think, my fastest kilometer. I had a pace of five. I had a good, good kilometer in my second kilometer. And after that, they were pretty steady. And, uh, Some were a little slower, some were a little faster, but ultimately I ended up at 5.16 as my average pace with a time of 42.08.
0: That's great. You're one second per kilometre slower than you wanted to be. It's pretty damn close if you ask me.
1: If I would have known exactly, because I wasn't looking at my Garmin the whole time. I'm sure if I really pushed it, I probably could have gotten that eight seconds back, you know, during that last kilometer or something, but i just too tired. <laughs> I don't have a second gear.
0: Do you? Did you feel that you were um, prepared for the race?
1: You can always be better prepared. Well, yeah. But, but I felt but I was ready for it. You know, the fact I got eight seconds within my goal means, to me, yeah. I was ready yeah. for what I planned to do, but... It's always nice to do better.
0: Yeah, but I thought this race, of all the races, not the you haven't done lots of races, but of all the times that you've done things, I thought you seemed like you were most prepared. You you'd been doing some running. <laughs> I had
1: actually, <laughs> I'd run a few times and I'd had relatively good times, yeah. you know. And
0: I mean, there was actually, I think, a few weeks where you wrote, ran a couple times a week. I, I would say in the yep. last three weeks, you've been running twi- at least twice a week. And yeah. And working pretty hard at it, I think.
1: Yeah, I had, and uh, of course I did take, I think I took the whole week off before I, a whole week off <coughs> from running before I ran the race. Because <coughs> I don't think that's a bad idea, actually. I mean, for a real super-duper runner, it probably is. But for somebody like me, to make sure everything feels good, to take a week off after you've done reasonable preparation,
0: eh,
1: works relatively well I think
0: well you know it's an interesting thought because I know when I my training schedule has me doing some small short things you know 30 minutes where you do a few pickups and you do a little bit of just little clips of of speed work and it's supposed to keep your muscles firing and keep you sort of sharp right and that's sort of the philosophy and a lot of times I'm coming into races off injuries it seems quite often and so I end up not doing very much in the week before. My taper is sometimes pretty well nothing, other than maybe a bit of spinning or something, because I'm, I'm afraid of any kind of speed work firing up the injury. Yeah. So I've always done that, and I've always been pretty successful in yeah. my races. because. And I wonder if it's a bit of an, an age thing, because it means, too, I just need to be really fully rested.
1: I think it's an age thing. I think the best thing you can do the week before is stretch, do yoga mm-hmm. and let your mind rest and let your body rest. And then I find on race day that, you know, I can hardly wait to run. It, there's, a, there's an enthusiasm that builds up when you're away from it for, for a few days. And uh, I found almost the same thing when I played a lot of racquetball and stuff like that. When you're away from the game a few days, you were just like could hardly wait. And, and that uh, emotional sharp, sharpness was uh, an, an advantage, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense. <clears throat> and then maybe for some people, you know, maybe if you run, a lot of these runners who only run, they run five, six days a week. And so for them, cutting back to three times in a week, um, you know, or a lot shorter miles, you know, is, is a big jump. Yeah. For us, when we are only doing three runs a week and not that many miles you practically got to cut back to zero to do it yeah. <laughs> to to rest yeah it
1: depends on the level of your training it yeah. depends on who you are i don't think you can have the same racing plan certainly for everybody
0: no definitely not And i
1: think once you get older you have to be a little more careful yeah. not that not that we're old no no
0: did you get seniors vitamins in your bag
1: <laughs> no i just got you know Nice vitamins. I hear you got the fifty plus vitamins.
0: I went back and I looked, and, and I actually didn't have a picture of people with gray hair. I just thought it did. It was because they're called silver fifty plus. I I, I was picturing an elderly couple on that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they must have thought I was younger than you.
0: Crap. Maybe I got yours. <laughs> oh. Maybe they they saw our last name on there and they gave you yours and gave me yours and you gave gave me you your whatever. I can't say that.
1: Uh, it's Sunday morning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, though. Yeah.
0: So you're happy you're just- with your race?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was happy with my race. I, I didn't find I was like super excited or nervous beforehand. I, I don't find that with running races. Yeah. Running races is a one dimensional, you know, and runners will probably argue with this, but to me, it's one dimensional. You just get out and you run, it's easy. It is. It's easy in that sense. It doesn't, yeah. like, take a whole lot of talent to be, oh, no, no, and I'm going to take Oops. some flack from this, but it doesn't. It's not like there's dangers uh, rushing at you, aside from 5,000 people around, but, but it's not scary. There's nothing scary about it. You just get out and you run. I mean, <laughs> da Of course,
0: this is coming from people who run 224 half marathons and 42-minute 8Ks. When we talk about it, it doesn't take a lot of talent. No. <laughs> well, I'm not sh- no, it no, takes no. a lot of talent to run a 130 half K and a 25-minute and a yeah. 8K, though,
1: right? It takes conditioning. I'm not arguing that. Yeah. It takes conditioning. But there's nothing scary about it. Yeah. It's not like going into a bike race where you have to worry about taking the corner right or you, you lose it and you crash and you hurt yourself. Yeah. I don't hear many people doing that in running, you know, mm-hmm. running around a corner and slipping and falling and hurting themselves, although I know it can happen, okay? Yeah. But racing compared to triathlon, compared to biathlon, compared to Xterra yeah. is kind of one-dimensional and I, I'm starting to like it. Mm-hmm. But it is one-dimensional, comparatively speaking. And, well, that's, and, uh, and you it's, know, so it's not yeah. scary.
0: Yeah, I, I know I felt exactly the same thing. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm no, belittling that it. No, to Betsy, no. When I saying. say it's easy, I just meant it's easy in, in my anxiety-prone way. I wasn't feeling any anxiety. I was excited and, ex- and just enjoying it. And I felt very relaxed because I didn't have a billion yeah. things to think about.
1: It's not easy. No, I'm not saying it's easy. As a matter of fact, it's harder than yeah. I think any other type of race because of the fact you have to do the one thing all the time. You don't get to switch gears anywhere. Yeah. So so I, I, it's not meant as an insult it's to not runners not. by mm-hmm. any means because mm-hmm. I'm getting to like running. Mm-hmm. But it is one-dimensional, comparatively mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. And yeah. so in that sense, it's not scary. Right. You just go out and oh, you have to slow down a little bit. And you slow down a little bit and you know you do what you can and you you gauge yourself all the way through the race. That's... That's the only scary part, just wondering about how you're going to feel after 5K, you know, and so on. But not scary. Good. And that's how so, I feel.
0: So what's your, so do you said you enjoyed it, um, and do you, are you kind of looking forward to doing a little more running now, sort of on a regular basis?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I do think my niche ultimately is going to be duathlon type stuff. But I do want to do more running. I I want to set a goal of uh, I see forty for next year. Mm-hmm. I want to do eight k and forty, and I don't think there's no reason why I can't if if I train for it. Yeah. Uh, I
0: think Eric, if you I think if you run two three times a week and do one of those, you right now you're kind of running like you said you've only got one gear, and that's because you're kind of doing your your hard gear all the time. And if you yeah. start doing some slower runs. And then and do a speed work once a week. You're gonna find you're gonna be able to do faster than 40. I have no doubt. I've seen you, well, and I think you can do it.
1: I think though, going over 40 would be a big step. I mean, I yeah. you know that's a good start. that knocking two minutes off. Mm-hmm. That's like saying you're knocking 15 seconds, 15 seconds off every kilometer. That's significant stuff. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, well, and it is. It is, and I I don't think you should make a goal in 35 for, for your next one. But I'm just saying. I I think that. Like, you've done an amazing job with minimal training, Eric,
1: minimal. I was talking to the guy I ride with, the the daughter who is an Olympian, right? You know who I'm talking about, right? You can name them. Can I?
0: Well, you can name the Olympian and say your dad's first name.
1: Elmore and Doug, right? And uh, he was suggesting, you know, (coughs) to do the track and do speed work. Mm Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Gee, it's funny if your wife mentions it, it's nothing. But if your friend <laughs> mentions it, you start thinking about it. Well. Okay, I'll just ignore that. Well, I don't.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyways, you know, when you hear it from different sources, I know it's like it, it's sort of backing it up now. It, it sort of reinforces, mm-hmm. ref- reinforces it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else? What else is interesting about the race? You know, I tried to focus on, you know, noteworthy runners as, as I ran to keep my pace up. And, and then, I found it really hard, but one thing I was really proud of is I didn't chase anybody. Yeah. I didn't chase anybody or get upset when people passed me, because I don't like getting passed too much. Uh, but it, I just decided to just go my pace and I kept that's my eye on it. my Garmin and, so and it, was, it was okay, it was that's okay.
0: You know, the interesting thing too, I think, is because there's so many people in a race like that, unless you're the very front runner, it's like, it's useless to think of what other people are doing. It's useless. I mean, why would you even care? There's thousands of people ahead of me, thousands of people behind me.
1: And there are going to be, regardless of what you do, Yeah. unless you're elite,
0: Yeah. right? Now when we do some of the other runs, like small runs. Like, I found when I was doing the 5K, you know, the women's 5K that I do every June? Yeah. You know, I could see there are 10 people, 15 people ahead of me. And I'm starting to, I'm working on trying to pick some of those off, you know, because, you know, each one. And I kind of can tell who's my age group, too. And that's a totally different ballgame then, you know, because it's a little race. It's not that I'm fast, but it's a little race, and so I can be relatively fast then. But in a th- race with thousands, it's useless yeah. to worry about it.
1: I think when you, as you get to be a better runner, yeah, you're more likely to do that, mm-hmm. you know, because there is that, you realize you're more capable and you have more of a competitive edge inside and mm-hmm. so you do try to reel in people, it's just, you're hungry because yeah. you think you can do it.
0: Yeah. But I mean, even so, even but if you're still, even if you're a really good runner and you're in that race with 7,000 people you're still only going to be, you're not going to be, unless you're the front. And the front is not, you know, it's not someone who's 50 or 60, right? No. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really, it still doesn't matter. But, you know, honestly, as I was running, I had some people passing me, I guess, I guess. I passed lots of people in my half. And, and I was aware and happy as I mm-hmm. passed people. And there was lots of people walking, and I didn't walk. That was my first 20 21 kilometers I ever ran where I never walked any of it. I, I walked through one aid station for a couple of minutes just when my knee was messed up and I thought well instead of stretching I think I'll walk like 20 feet but I never like took walk breaks. And yeah. uh, you know there's lots of people walking.
1: Yeah. No I was <clears throat> so I was happy with my result I I and my placing I was oh, really Oh yeah like, really like holy crap we forgot to that, mention it. You know like what got, did
0: you place? I
1: got in my age group, which is like old guys, 60 to 64, I got 11th out of 53.
0: That which with, I thought was awesome. I was
1: really pleased with that, you know. That's like in the top just about 5th or something 20, like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's better than I thought I'd do, mm-hmm. you know. My time... And my, and my time was reasonable it, it and then I looked at the age graded stuff after that and then the results were even a little better I yeah. thought I can't remember exactly what they were but it was kind of cool I didn't even yeah. know they had age graded results but it was kind of yeah. cool seeing them it makes you gives you hope for gee, you know for the future yeah.
0: <laughs> and for for people who don't know age grading results age grade results they have them for some races and I, I've seen them for running stuff I've never seen them for triathlon but um the, it's actually it's kind of like having a handicap in golf, you know. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think it's affected. For the older you are, it balances out your age somehow. And yeah, I don't really does. know that's, exactly that's how it works. Out. See, the I think if you're is young, it balances
1: out your age. You know, they're trying to level the playing field and mm-hmm. taking into consideration. Well, you're going to be seven percent slower because you're you're 10% older or something like that and they play that into the equation so they try to get it kind of even across the board yeah. exactly like handicapping and going.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so it and with the younger people they don't nothing happens to their well, their times the but it gives us a different time or a different placing it shows where we would have placed if we were all mm. the same age i think is you that know what, what it did what my
1: time would have been age grading wise they said i think it was somewhere 34 35 36 which yeah. i thought whoa that's cool.
0: pretty good. Yeah. I didn't look to see what mine was on age graded results.
1: Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so, anyways.
0: Good. Okay. That's pretty amazing. Well, imagine the people that, you know, are our age that are super fast runners. I know. You know, like Loralee Welder or somebody like that. She's, she's thank God she's not in my age group. Loralee Welder was at one point in Kona. She's a local triathlete and runner. She wins, she wins all the women's races. She's, I think, in the 60 to 64. I think she's uh, either late 50s, early 60s now. Mm. She's an amazing runner, and she won, won the women's age group uh, in at Ironman Canada last year. Um, for like for I think it was local one, obviously not the elite ones, but I think it was age group or something. She came in first place, anyways. She's done, and I think she set a course record or something. She's an amazing runner. She got to Kona, and at one point she was in 17th place for the age group women's. Wow. So I, I don't know how she finished up. I never did look. But anyways, my point is imagine taking her time because I think she runs, if I'm not mistaken, she runs a 35 minute fi- 10K, Wow. 35 minute 10K. Maybe she's, I think her last one, she, she's kind of slowing down a little bit. She was a 40 minute 10K. But imagine what her age group result would be. It's like 20 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see. All right, well, that's good. So, uh, what's your on your plan for today?
1: Oh, I want to go watch the cycle cross. Mm-hmm. They're having a cycle cross uh, just over in uh, the hills, about 10 minutes away from here.
0: The same place that the Scorched Soul race yeah. is.
1: Yeah. The same place that we do a lot of mountain biking.
0: It's a first annual again?
1: First annual. Uh, sort of like, I think it's a show up and race sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so I, I pre wrote the course couple of days ago and i decided i wouldn't won't race it today because it's has some uh, has one really steep area in it that i uh, you know it's easy to crash on and i don't want to crash
0: yeah but we're going to go and support it because um chainline cycle and uh some other of the local bike shops clona cycle, cycle and a few other bike shops in town are really pushing it and uh, we want to support local racing and they and it's the first time they've got that so it's kind of cool we got our first exterra Yep. And uh, first, cyclocross. And they're really encouraging anybody to come out. It's kind of for fun, but like you said, it's it's too difficult for me. And uh, even you don't want to take a chance. of I think you'd race it. That's the problem. You'd race it. You yeah. you could get hurt, whereas I would just be unable to do it without pushing my bike too much and i get in people's way. And so you do multiple laps of a 1.5K route?
1: Yeah. I measured it at 1.51, so, and yeah. they would do multiple laps, right? And, you know... Well, we don't have to talk about what, what it is. It's skinny tires. It's mountain bikes with drop bars, Excellent. drop yeah. bars and skinny tires. Well, oh, you know, and basically. I was kind of
0: thinking it's like a road bike with with uh, mountain bike tires. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> an,
1: it's it's a hybrid it's a, type of yeah. bike, you know.
0: So that's what a cyclocross bike is, and it's so uh, I guess the idea is that it's lighter weight, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's faster,
0: mm-hmm.
1: lighter weight, but boy, I don't know. Some parts of that course, I would want a mountain bike on and not skinny tires.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have cyclocross bikes, but um, they have it open for either cyclocross or mountain bike, yeah. because they don't have very many, um, not a lot of people around here have cyclocross bikes, partly because there isn't really an opportunity to race or anything, so yeah. this will maybe encourage the sales of those bikes, too, I would think.
1: That would be a good type of bike to have. It's sort of a compromise between the two. I could even see it, you know, as a decent type touring bike, you know, yeah. a cyclocross.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, and you're uh,
1: welcome. Anytime, Colony Girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're funny.
1: Okay. All
0: right. So All right. My coffee's on this time.
1: Goodbye. I got to have my muffin or something like that right now. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then okay. I got to go to school for a bit. Oh. And get okay. some work yeah. done and come back. Time to go down and see the
1: race. We've got to figure out what time the cross
0: starts. I think it starts at 11, doesn't it? But we better double check. Yeah. All right. Okay. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Alrighty, that's enough for today. If you want to get a hold of me, it's colonagirl at gmail.com. All right, take care, and I'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye.
1: Whoa! I feel
0: good.
1: I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. Sugar and Spine I feel nice Like Sugar and Spine